Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. How's it going, everybody? It's Sandy McCullough from The Athletic here on The Athletic Baseball Show. I am here with Evan Drellick. It is early Wednesday morning here in Houston where the Atlanta Braves have won their first World Series since 1995. Evan, what do you got? What do you think of this series, huh? Well, on the Braves front, I don't think we've seen a team like this since, what, the 06 Cardinals? Yeah, similar, yeah. There hasn't, similar. there hasn't yeah. been a team that where 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 their where their record uh, seems so distant from how good they actually were. Right, right. What what's impressed me about the Braves? Maybe I, I, can't, I guess you can't say in comparison to the Cardinals, but they they seem like a much better team than an eighty eight win team. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like yeah. it, it just it didn't stop right when they beat the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. I remember talking to some Astros people, and you know, one person thought this is not somebody. This this is somebody in their media circle, not somebody with the team, but uh-huh. just just somebody I know. They said, you know, I think there's a chance the Astros make this a bloodbath, you know, end this pretty quickly. Yeah. and I wouldn't have been surprised by that. And it, it like you kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Braves, and it never did. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would have picked the Astros in six. I think, and that is not so much a slight to the Braves, who I think, you know, having covered the all of the NLCS and having watched these guys for like two weeks now, um, I do think that by the end, with all the Dodgers' injuries, the Braves were just a better team than the Dodgers, even though the Dodgers won 105, you know, and they had or 106 or whatever it was. They had all the star power. Atlanta's a really good team, and um, I think that the fact that they don't have like an elite sort of skill in anything, right? They don't have an elite, like, offense. They don't really have an elite rotation. They don't really have an elite bullpen. You could see the flaws pretty easily, but what you couldn't see was the strengths. And the strengths are that, like, one, you have Freddie Freeman, right? So you have one of the best players in baseball first base. But also, you have a lineup that does not quit. Every hitter in their lineup was at least league average or better. Um, And, you know, they had a couple of guys get hot at the right time. Jorge Soler, I think, actually, I just got a text. His ball just landed. 
in the third <laughs> inning. That was just a terrifying display of power. Um, they got a good effort from Max Fried, who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball since August. Uh, Tyler Matzik has, you know, become like left-handed Wade Davis or whatever. Uh, and they're the world champions. When, when you have a team like that, even those 06 Cardinals, it felt like they stole something. Like, like the Mets were supposed to, uh-huh. to and it was, it was seven games in that NLCS in 06. Yeah. This didn't come down to the LCS won six games, right? Yeah, they straight up beat teams that had better records. They, right. They played better. And, like, again, if you look at their how they played after August 1st, which, which was the day after Alex Anthopoulos went out and got Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler, when he got those three guys, after August 1st, they played like a 105-win team. I mean, this was a really good club. And, you know, frankly, I feel like kind of an idiot because going into the postseason, I was like, yeah, the Braves aren't very good. You know, like it's not that they're not very good, but it's just you kind of see all the flaws, right? You see like, ah, oh, they're going to – they got all these guys who like have 110 OPS pluses, like really? But when you have guys who can hit the ball out of the park – with 110 OPS plus, that plays. On the Astros side, you know, Brent Strom, the pitching coach, said he's not coming back to the yeah. Astros next year. And he was talking about the Braves and just acknowledged that they were flat out beat. And, and so the sense, even on the Houston side, seems to be that 19 was really the more painful one. That, that of the two World Series losses, even though a lot has happened with Houston yeah. over the last couple of years, and I think this is its own brand of pain, mm-hmm. there's an acknowledgement that the Braves deserve to win. Yeah. Nothing was ripped away from the Astros well, that's here. That's interesting. The, the, no, it's, the, I mean, I'm just trying to think back now. I mean, the thing about that that Washington team was that they had, like, eight good players, but it was, like, eight really good players. You know, like, elite starting pitching, Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Daniel Hudson, and Sean Doolittle. And that was kind of it. Uh, Whereas, yeah. like, this, like, Everyone kind of played well. Well, and the Astros, and at that point, you know, Granky was still there, Verlander yeah. still there, Cole's still, still there, Springer's still there. And the it, offense it, was up and running in a way that it was just—it was just not. That was weird. In a way, this World Series—I I don't know—I I, I feel like the 19 World Series, even last year's World Series, might have had a little more juice. It, 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 this never yeah. felt really intense to me. Hmm. Maybe outside of Game Five. The fact that the Astros were able to come back, yeah. but that might have just been my vantage point. There were certainly times covering this World Series where it felt like I was watching the worst DS. I got assigned to the worst. <laughs> I, I drew the bad, but that's, you know, whatever. I mean, like, I think the matchup could have been a little sexier. It certainly wasn't easy to watch for TV viewers given the, the time of game given uh, the late starts. I mean, I think there's a lot of issues there. That, well, you're you a former West Coast guy. Isn't yeah. there a competing theory that the, the start times, it's more of an East Coast bias, that, that that those of us on the East Coast have a problem with it, but if you're on the West Coast for these start times, it's not as bad. I don't think anything that is a four-hour TV show that isn't riveting at every second is, is a good idea. I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't really have solutions, and I'm frankly like, I don't, care it's not my job to fix it you know like i just kind of write about no we're writers we find the problem we don't find the solution well yeah the problem is that the games are boring and they take too long so good luck. <laughs> you know, what what go figure it out well it's not my job to figure you know whatever that's what the money's for for all them that's what they pay um so where do the houston astros go from here you obviously covered the astros in another lifetime you've written you know a few stories about them over the years at the Couple, athletic yeah I guess, like, so I'm trying to, I'm still sort of working through this on deadline, kind of like the legacy of this group, right? Because Carlos Correa, there's a good chance he might leave in free agency. George Springer's already gone. 
there's obviously the taint of 2017. They don't have that second ring to sort of show people and say, like, hey, you know, we were a legitimately great team. I think everyone can acknowledge that they are a legitimately great team, but there's something missing from their resume. Yeah, and it seems to really only come up once in the post-game interviews, but at least to me, I, I would imagine, I would just guess, and it is just speculation, that to the players in the room, too, they knew that if they had won, yeah. at least those guys who had been around in 2017, the individual legacies of Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, and hell, even Amarwin Gonzalez, mm-hmm. would look better if they could say, well, we did it in Houston and we did it again with that same core players. Mm-hmm. And you know, assuming <laughs> a few years later there were, were no cheating allegations. I don't think there's any way around that they would have wanted that and yeah. that that probably would have helped their own individual legacies. I don't think it it, it it changed. In no way, obviously, does it change what happened in yeah, 2017. Right, right. But otherwise, you know, each one of those guys probably, I don't want to say needs to get a ring somewhere else, but I don't think it's unimportant for their careers to, yeah. to have a ring that's not tainted. Yeah, and it's sort of like, it's a way, it doesn't, redeem them for 2017 and to their credit right they've never said that that's what they're trying to do they sort of actually said specifically like stop asking about this you know like right. we don't, we're not like you guys are the ones obsessed with 2017 i think that i mean not to get too psychoanalytical but that feels like defense mechanism i guess but but ball players sure. but ball players are also so blinkered that like maybe it's true you know like ball players don't uh, think about the world the way sports fans do that's part of the reason why they get to do this um i don't think it would have redeemed them i don't think it would have changed what happened in 2017 i don't think it would have changed the way that they're received on the road in the future but at the very least it adds a line on the resume to remember them as something other than the guys with the trash can in a way it also would have underscored the tragedy of 17 more where yeah well, clearly, if they if they won uh, again here, as we we know they were good enough to win, right? But it shows you kind of how sad it is that, like, yeah, they could have had two World Series in five years if they won, and what a damn shame that you know something that starts to approach a dynasty, right? Had to have the proverbial asterisk next to it right. if you so choose to affix one, right? Yeah, there's no absolution to be had for right. for for that group, right. and they didn't seek that. I mean, at least unless you know you've read something you know that I haven't. I don't think they've they've never said like we need this to you know cleanse ourselves for what we did. I think they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I, you can understand how it gets um, grading for them to, to have to yeah. continuously deal with that. I'm not saying I, I that they shouldn't have to continuously deal yeah, with it. You can understand how how they would feel about yes. it and you know if Correa now walks in a way the lesson of the Braves is well a lesser Astros team could still wind up back in a six yeah. straight ALCS yeah. you know, they're, they're not done necessarily right. at this point but it's pretty damn rare to make it back to back to back world series. I mean yeah. sure the Dodgers do it but like but the Dodgers are also approaching the precipice of kind of ending an era I think um, well the, the Astros to an extent are too yeah. I mean Altuve's yeah here but it's it's a very new group compared to 17 which isn't surprising but mm-hmm. it's you know at some point you do wonder when do the astros retool it's not yet probably but you're near the end of a cycle here yeah and well what what is interesting to me is you know you bring up like the braves right 
they won 88 games, but they were obviously a little bit better than that. It does show that there is a way to build a championship team that doesn't require, you know, a $200 million payroll. And that is always a problematic example to set. And it's not because, you know, that the Alex Anthopoulos didn't want to spend money. They, they did spend money. They signed Marcelo Zuna, uh, and that contract backfired almost immediately, you know, when he was uh, arrested for you know, domestic violence and is probably unlikely to play for the Braves. But, you know, when that was their big expenditure, like, they cut Adam Duvall. He was on the team last year. They cut him. And then they traded for him at the deadline. So they got him back. For cheaper, I, 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 right. You sometimes worry about like what you know. I, I don't know. Well, I think uh, I think the I think the model for being cheap and winning is out there already with the Rays, right? I mean, yeah. even even the Astros, the roster, they, their roster has gotten more expensive over time. It's not piddling anymore, right? But they do avoid free agency. You know, right. the, the money they've given out has been through extensions prior to free right. agency. I, I almost look to the deadline. You, know, you 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 see the analytics. Maybe it's a good thing then. Maybe the Braves are a good thing. Well, I I, yeah. I think I think in a way it it could coax out some of the very analytically new age yeah. driven GMs into being slightly less risk averse. Yeah. And going for it right, and that's yeah. what makes like in the highest level an entertaining product. Like yeah. when you have a team that says I'm going into the deadline, that's yeah. compelling. And that's what you want when you're selling a product, so, and that's what they seem to always forget. Here's my counter, and I know you don't watch baseball. No. But I technically do. I have no idea who the Braves traded to get Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, and Adam Duvall, right? Sure. I, I can tell you who the Dodgers traded to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner because they gave up real prospect capital. And I wonder if the example set is like, hey, let's get all these sort of like upside plays. And that because because I don't think anyone looked at what the Braves did at the deadline and said like wow the Braves are going for it it was kind of like yeah you know Alexanthopoulos like you know was sending a lot of emails and you know buying in bulk and I you know I think that is an interesting strategy and obviously it is effective um, but it would you know you do think about if teams will be it's always difficult when teams are incentivized to race to the middle I guess and that's the Braves are a little different you know I don't want to like hold them up as a they're very different, I think, than teams who are sort of exploitative in in, in some of these factors. But uh, it'll—I don't know. I mean, I, 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 look, I, I, th- I think it's teams late, have man. been it's late at night. Teams have been sitting there going, unless we really have a good chance. Like usually, yes. the middling team doesn't right. no, like make the, the Philly, push. The Phillies, you know, under Matt Clentak would be like, you know, there was always that sort of, uh, you know, why are we trying to get into the wild card game? Right. You know. Right. It's like, risk averse. Yeah. It's uninteresting. Yeah. And I would hope the brave show other GMs and shake out a little bit of a different type of behavior that like, yeah, no, you don't have to give up the farm. As you point out, right. you don't have to give up your absolute best. You don't have to go get barn burners, but it can be worth going for. And that, this is kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation. Like since the 06 Cardinals, yeah. there isn't a great example of a team like that mm-hmm. where it's actually paid off that, you know, you don't have the best roster or anywhere even close to it on paper for the 162-game stretch. Mm-hmm. And there's a reward at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> What's your column going to be about? I'm going to write about the the Astros. I'm trying to – I think it, they're challenging to write about, I'll be honest. Um, as you know, I haven't covered them. And it's not even, it's not even an issue of sort of – 
access. It's just that I think that the sporting public very much wanted them to play the villains and they sort of refused to do it. You know, they refused to like wear the black hat. And outside of Carlos, well, what Spain, did you want? What did you want, like Correa, to like take the field carrying a garbage can? What would, what would have been made well, them the heel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, like coming out and saying, "Yeah, we did it. There's nothing you can do about it, and we're gonna kick your ass this year." Right? Like that's what the pro wrestling fan in you wants because that's entertaining, right? And you know, we're not even talking about like the you know the moral of the game kids baseball like um, but that would have been more entertaining and Correa was really the only one who ever really kind of puffed out his chest and you know said something to the effect of like what are people going to say now he said that last year right like you know what are people going to say now but yeah. I, even that to me it always seemed like it came more from a place of like he felt bad that everyone hated the team you know and like it seemed clear that the the reception you know really shrunk Bregman and Altuve in, and Correa sort of stepped into the void and now Correa may go play elsewhere. And so it leaves the Astros as kind of this like, I don't what know. What could have been feels like a little bit of a shame. It's too bad. It's kind of loose ends that haven't exactly been yeah, tied up. There's a of. lack of closure, I think on the story. Right. And I think that, you know, and it also becomes a point of like, all right, when, when, when should we in the press stop talking about 2017 when you talk about the Houston Astros? Well, yeah, I mean, that's chicken and the egg. Do, yeah. Did you want the do you want the press to respond to the public, the fan, the consumer of our media and, and kind of give them what they want? It's a good, good end to well, it. Well, but it depends on who the consumer is, right? Because if it's an Astros fan, right? Like, I know that if I write this column, Astros fans are going to hate it, right? And I know that if not Astros fans, they're gonna hate it because it's about the Astros. But they, you know, like they don't like. You know, it's just hard to you know nuance. Someone, someone wrote Houston local media and probably multiple outs wrote uh, about Manfred getting booed uh-huh. prior to Game One on the few standing right in front of the Astros dugout and fans are just you know heckling him. Uh-huh. Open the letter. What was the other thing they said? The letter. You know, the Yankees letter. Uh, oh, you, you made you made us escape. Go, you know, just 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 ladder. Uh, you know, going after Manfred like that story. At least on one of the local media's websites, was incredibly well read. Right. So, uh-huh. from a certain angle, Astros fans have eaten it up. I'm not saying they they would prefer to have a team that had cheated, but like right. there is also a rallying around the team yeah. and a um, I don't know voyeurism or, or just kind of. They have their own attraction to the spectacle of it, right? Yeah. Like they're they don't care about Rob Manfred uh, if if it's not for the sign stealing scandal, and clearly they're clicking on that story. Huh? So, what do you think the answer is? Like, when you know, as someone who's uh, theoretically writing a book about the the Astros, right? Like, when is the time to stop bringing this up? I, when when you, these you, guys are gone, in, in, in the next few years, as, as yeah. more players dissipate here, right? Like, I, So when it's like just Altuve in the last year. It's gonna, time, yeah, it, it'll start to fade, but it, yeah. you're not going to – you're still going to have fans who are going to heckle the people oh, yeah, who but are that's involved. Yeah, but that's not the question, right? Like, the, you know, uh, what's it? Robinson Cano was still getting booed in Kansas City in, you know, 2015 for something that happened at the 2012 All-Star game. You know, like fans have a long memory and that's why the whole product stays in business. Right. But it's like, okay, so Correa, if Correa is elsewhere, right. Springer, right. Was a huge part of the 2017 Astros. He's gone. Okay. Correa might be gone. So then it's like, when you talk about Bregman, you talk about Altuve, 
You know, is it just you, it has to be part of the cover? I don't know the answer. I, I mean, I think probably in some way it does, but it's also like you're just repeat, repeating a point that everyone knows. It, you, know? you know, I don't want to be too precious about it, but it does strike me that there is something. Either, we know that what the Astros did was egregious, but there, there, there's something about what they did that lingers with people yeah. more than most of this stuff. And then, so you can kind of start to reverse engineer. Well, why is that? Why do we, I mean, PEDs people were talking about, but that, that's not a, that's not organized team behavior. Uh-huh. So like, like there's clearly a lasting impact of the idea that a team would, would have the gall to try to cheat so brazenly yeah. off the field, right? There's some combination of, the action that they undertook yeah. that resonates, right? Like, why are we sitting here discussing about closure? And, and I, I think it has to go back to the nature of what they did. It well, clearly unsettles people. I think it's the imagery, right? It's like, it's the, you know, the Mike Bolsingers of the world who, you know, look, Mike Bolsinger probably wasn't going to be in the big leagues for much longer, but, you know, like, guy, he was knocked out, you know, his last outing was against the Astros. I mean, it's the it's the thought of Clayton Kershaw in the dugout in Game Five. I mean, just the you know the sort of haunted look, uh, you know, when he got zero swings and misses or whatever it was on his right. off speed stuff. I mean, I think I think that's what it is, is because fans remember that and they remember you know how loud this place was and they remember how scary that lineup was and they remember the way that players were kind of smirk. I remember watching it at the time when Carlos Beltran's interview. After Game Seven in LA, uh, you know he was on the air with like David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez and Keith Hernandez and you know on the Fox thing, and they were just talking about like how he had inside info, and he's like, "Oh, I can't tell you guys what I yeah. had," you know, and and it just there was just sort of a like a a brazenness both in action and then also in comportment uh, to you know like the, there would be times when guys would be at the podium and they would kind of like make little jokes about knowing what's coming, you know, they'd have like little, like, like Bregman. Yeah. yeah. I think that really stuck with people. You know, it clearly stuck with me and I don't give a shit. You know, like I remember all this stuff and I don't care about the 2017 Astros. They didn't affect my life, you know? Yeah. Like if you make the well, comparison, a book deal, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, tell that story another day. Uh, well, it, they, the Dodgers lost. I didn't get the book deal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's the story. Well, that's, that's the, that's the other, <laughs> that's the, yeah, we, we got that one in. Yeah. I mean that's you know in a, like like not I to, was the biggest financial victim right twenty seventeen right not Mike Olson or you <laughs> I should how great would it be if I sued and they they're like they're like yeah we've read your stuff you suck no one would have bought this book right well but I mean that's you know there's something about the formula of team wins we write book about how team won yeah you know where where my book is kind of the anti version of that where right. it's it's the team won, but holy cow, there's all this other stuff going on behind the scenes that people don't know, still don't know. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, it. we're so result-oriented, uh-huh. and that's that's what got the Astros in trouble. It's the, it, the exact same formula that leads the book industry and writers to, to write a book after every, every team wins a world championship is, is, in a way, the same mentality that the Astros had. It's all about the bottom line result and who gives a damn how you get there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as the, the title of your book, was it Winning Fixes Everything? Winning Fixes Everything. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of teams for a long time who really believe that, 
you know, and I think that, and there's a lot of ways in this industry that that gets, you know, sort of propagated. And, And it's certainly true that, you know, in the wake of Moneyball, right, like every book about baseball had to be also sort of marketed as like a TED talk to business people. Right. right. And, you know, um, I can li- you know leave a little Easter egg here at the end of this. Like I have a project that I'm sort of passionate about with the 2015, 2014, 15 Royals. You covered the Royals? I did cover the Royals. Oh, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten. Someday I'd maybe like to write a book about them, but the whole idea would be it's not a TED talk about how to, it's a story of like how hard it actually is yeah. to build a winner and to sustain a winner. You know, and not trying to sell the way that a team won is like this is the way that every team should do it. You know, because that's really what the story of the sport is, right? It's like, you know, you see, we were talking about this with with Atlanta. You know, what are the lessons to be drawn from Atlanta? What are the lessons to be drawn from the seventeen Astros and the twenty twenty Dodgers? You know, it's, there's never one size fits all. But I think we in the press in the winter will be like, okay, so every team needs to copy this. You know, and it's very clear that, that doesn't work. Right. Well, the whole industry's copycat. It's, it's been that way for a long time. Front offices will, will go over the same set of questions, right? I think in the case of the Braves, they should. Hmm. Because it, it is a departure. And I think it's a good departure for the sport. It, like, like it's, it's not necessarily that every copycat idea yeah. uh, is, a, is a bad one. But yeah, no, you're right. That, that's, that's, it's been the MO for a very, very long time as well. How are they so much smarter than everybody right, else? Right. And, and a lot of times, or at least a good percentage of the time, you know, it's a sport where you win 60% of the time. You might not have actually had a secret sauce. The dirty little secret about modern executives is, you know, while there are a lot of very intelligent people do it, they're not that smart. <laughs> if they were smart, they, they would have gone into a, a... No, like, I mean, seriously, like... You know, the, the, it's not, there's not like sort of genius. A lot of it's just like good people skills. Or in Which, some cases, the exact opposite. Right, right, right. But it's not, you know, like, it's not sort of like overabundance of brain power. Although, like, as I said, there's very, very intelligent people in this business. And then the ability to manage others and to hire well is a skill. Um, but we sort of fetishize kind of the wrong aspects of the executive class, I think. Yeah, for another day, we can we can go over the media's fetishization of everything post Moneyball and, and what that yeah. helped to bring about. But but not tonight. Tonight we celebrate the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> <laughs> tonight we're here to uh, what was it? Matt Harvey said to uh, to aid and support Qualcomm. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> the Dan Patrick show. Yeah, we're here. Uh, yeah, this is all about Qualcomm. Uh, Qualcomm is not a sponsor of the Athletic Baseball Show, but thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been fun to do this. During the postseason, Evan and I will probably be on various uh, streams as the winter goes along. Evan's going to cover uh, what should be a really fun winter for him uh, of labor negotiations. Those always go well and are never contentious. Hey, thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in uh, for more baseball coverage as the week goes along. You can download the Athletic Baseball Show episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Have a good one. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.